I'm John, and I'm here with... We've got Jeremiah. And Jeremiah's over here hanging out, like running the sound for us. Thanks for mm-hmm. being here, Jeremiah. And, and I'm Justin. Justin. From Chatham, New York. From Chatham, New York. And I'm John Keister from Baltimore, Maryland. Mm-hmm. And uh, how did we meet originally? Yeah, that's a good place to start. Yeah. So my dad had a church. We were running... A million people. We had at least 400 people yeah, on 400 our best million. At that, at like our peak right. at the pinnacle where we were, we had 400 people right. um, ministering with all our ministries to about, I'd say around 800. Okay. Um, anyways, so. In the middle of nowhere. Uh, yeah. But in Chatham is not too. in the middle of nowhere. It's it sort an of actual is place. Because it's 30 minutes south. It is an actual place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. But right. it's 30 minutes south of the capital region, which right. the capital of New York, which is Albany. Right. So the further south you go, the more farmland it becomes. So pretty much anything in between Albany and the city. New is York City. New York City right. is farmland, okay. basically. Uh, yeah, so grew up in Chatham. Yeah. And then we grew um, up in church and stuff like that. And then we, Well, we, the thing that me and you have in common is we both grew up in churches where they were both fundamental or independent fundamental Baptist churches. Yes. Which, if you're not familiar with that sort of movement, it's not a movement that's very prominent anymore. I mean, it's just kind of like phasing out, I think. It's there. It's there. It still exists. I still see yeah. it. It still exists for sure. Right. Um, it's just that you feel like when you watch Kimmy Schmidt the, about the Indiana mole women coming out of the bunker, like you kind of feel like you're a little bit a part of this. Like <laughs> I relate that's to those women. You really get on top on board of this. It's like, no. it just really <laughs> makes me want to get a Jim Baker bucket. <laughs> you know, this cheese is amazing. <laughs> right? You can, it, this bucket doubles as a coffee table. Just put a board over it and a blanket, and then everything's got to be okay. You know? That's kind of what I feel like. <laughs> like a little bit, you know? I don't know. Right. But, no, it's just. Do you remember the, hold on one second. Do you remember being <laughs> in Bible college and, like, the thing is, like, the big deal was that we had to, like, replenish the earth. That was God's number one commandment in Genesis 1, 2, or whatever. Yeah. Be, was, like, be fruitful and be multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. Like, our job was Excuse to be Excuse me if I, sometimes I mispronounce my R's. I don't I just care. said be fruitful. But it's be, fruitful. be fruitful and multiply. I remember mm-hmm. that very well. Yeah. What kind of snacks did you used to take to school with you? <laughs> yeah. Did you take fruitful snacks? Fruit snacks? Fruitful, yeah. I love that. The strawberry ones. You were so cute as a kid. Hey, oh, mom, me? give me some fruit snacks. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I just made fun of your thing. but I was all right. No. God will forgive us, right? We didn't have fruit snacks. We had fruit by the foot. We had fruit by the Oh, my God. And you remember those ones that came out? They were six feet long. Holy shit. You don't remember those? No. I missed the six I was foot f- long. Six foot he long. He remembers. I was a fat ass my whole life. Was that like the size so of a I tire? I remember those things. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like a Like a micro machine tire or like yeah. a big, big ass tire? <laughs> <laughs> Enough to make me into the fat ass that I am today. You're beautiful. Mm, I'm just the way God wants me, right? That's right. False. I've made myself into this. Hallelujah. <laughs> but You're doing it. You're doing it. What were we talking about before? <clears throat> I think a good place to go from here would be our upbringing. Yeah. Um, we were at the church and then everything, and then we were in the IFB. Yeah. So why don't you start? So you grew up in Cameron Giovanelli Church, didn't you? Oh, no, I did not. I grew up in Pasco, Washington. Okay, Oklahoma. so you relocated to... Right, America. Oklahoma okay. f- till 8, <laughs> 7, 8. Okay. And then... Were you Washington in the church school State. this whole time? Yes. Church school the entire time. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Movement? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So um, my parents met down there in Oklahoma. I was a product of that. Um, and then we moved to Washington State from 8 to 18. 
um, and grew up in the church there and then went to college at Hiles Anderson. Brought to you by my friend finding out that I was gay. And so I was could not go to Golden State, which that would have been really interesting going to San Francisco area for college. Um, so I decided we decided that I was going to go to um, decided I was going to go to Hiles Anderson. Right. Instead you of, made the right choice. Any other choice beside that would have made you a heathen. Oh, yeah, totally. Out of God's will. I know. And shunned. So I went to the big, the big, uh, the big school supposedly for our world, you know. Well, in the IFB movement, that was the place to that go. Was the place to go, exactly. I remember thinking, like, it was Jack just this. There was there. just this thing about the environment, and just there was something in the air that right. anyone who went to Golden State or anyone, there was one other one, wasn't there? Crown College or something like that. Something was big like that. at that time. Well, anyone who, oh, oh down in Stony Point. New York, in the city, there was a international Bible college. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, so anyone who went there, uh-huh. anyone who went to Golden State, was half-assing their career, <laughs> and they weren't <laughs> serious about the will of God. Right, exactly. Hello. I had a friend who went to uh, wanted to go to Golden State, cut mm-hmm. ties with them imme- immediately. Yeah. Because why would you do that to yourself? Yeah. I why just, would you be, friend, be friends with someone who's half-assing yeah. their career? We defriended him on AIM. <laughs> <laughs> like no more immediately. Of this. Yeah, exactly. Delete. And then, um, yeah, it was all about the yellow pews in the old auditorium, you know? And then Jack Hiles, like, died, like, the year after I was there, right? <clears throat> yeah, he, then, yeah, I remember that. And I was, like, 12 years old, 13 yeah. maybe. And we thought, like, what's going to happen? Then Jack Scott asked me about going on tour. And then um, Bob Marshall came and asked me about going on tour as well to play the piano for a tour group. Okay. Tell um, me a little more about just, I mean, you were kind of vague. So just tell me this more about your upbringing about my upbringing yeah um, not not like details step by step in chronological order just like things that stand out to you that made you into who, who you are today really into who i am today oh god there's like so many little, little things um moving to from oklahoma to washington state was a big deal for me because i wanted to go into third grade because mrs sloan's third grade class always did a play and i wanted to be in the freaking play for my entire existence up into that point and I your parents did that play. to you my parents didn't do that to me i don't think they knew about it like how are you supposed to know your third grader wants to be in a play you know what i mean i didn't exactly tell everybody exactly that i wanted to be in a play or maybe i did i don't know but i wanted to be in this play so bad is that not like some giant evidence of anything? Like I was just like so desperate to be in this play, the third grade play, you know, um, f- from kindergarten, first to second grade, wanted to be in the third grade play. I was like one more year. Why didn't you tell your parents play. that you wanted to be in the play? Because they were moving. Like we went to the play. You know, this is a real kicker is that my father went to the independent Baptist school there, right? In Oklahoma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he didn't graduate. Uh, with an accredited degree, um, and so he had went to the he had went to an accredited school and got his law degree. How dare he! But the bar association in Oklahoma would not let him take the bar exam because he went to an unaccredited undergraduate degree. So they wanted him to go back and get an undergraduate degree that was accredited. And then here I am. That's not the first case I'm hearing about someone having to do that. Right. And then here I am. I go, of course, like not reading the signs of anything i end up going to an unaccredited college um and then kind of getting kicked in the ass afterwards for doing it you know what i mean yeah i mean it's i've like experienced the same thing footsteps. because i've got about 30 something credits or 40 something credits from hiles right and uh it's just that they don't count for anything 
<laughs> it's like, here's your paper and hope you have a great day. You know? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't count to anyone, but it counts to God. So that's all that matters. Exactly. Right? Exactly. We should just like start our own school in like the Philippines or something like that. And just, you know, say it's a crisis for the Philippines or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that probably won't work real well. You know what I mean? But anyways, that's that. So you made it to Hiles Anderson College. Yeah. Which is the common ground that we share. Yeah. Quick question. Yeah. Did you know that you were gay before you went to Hiles Anderson College? I knew I had gay behavior, but I never said that I was gay because so I was... So then you knew. You can say that, but you're also dealing with somebody who's taught that their behavior is, is gay and not that their um that, that their desire set is gay. There's a difference between your desire set and your behavior. So if your behavior if you're having behavior, like if I paid you a million dollars right now to go mess around with another dude, you might take that million dollars. Even though your behavior may be gay, you're not doing that because you have a desire to be around another guy. But if you have a desire set and you that wants to be around another guy, I don't need to give you a dollar for that. You're just going to go do it. You know what I mean? Right. So that's the difference is that you have, you have people and young people that are thinking that if they, if they do happen to be gay, that they're thinking that they're just having a behavior or a gay moment or something like that. If they made out with a dude or something like this, you know, or a girl made out with another girl or something like this, um, that they're just having gay behavior and not necessarily that their desire set is towards another person of the same sex. Does that make sense? So like me getting married to the wife that I had before, um, was Can me we talk about that. Yeah. Well, that's what I was kind of trying to get into a little bit is at the beginning I was, I went to college and I was just crying for like the first two years because I was trying to ask God to like take this away from me. You know what I mean? And trying to like. So you thought something was wrong with you? Oh, totally. Yeah. Cause we were like, you were an abomination. Like, or something. Something, yeah, totally. We thought something's wrong with us. You know what I mean? So that's, that's what, that's how I felt, you know? And, and I then, think that could be accredited to just the way we were raised. Yeah. And the, it's just the, the mindset of the independent fundamental Baptist movement. Right. The whole concept is, is creating the us and the them scenario. So it's us eating as much as we want and doing as anything we want and, and claiming any other product of quote unquote sin that we want to. But however, we have these chosen sins, which are homosexuality and abortion um, and gossip um, are the things that we just possibly can't live around or in and have around us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, it's like we have our things and we're okay with this stuff, but these people over here need to be pushed out and shunned and, and are negative and awful and terrible. You know what I mean? Shunned was a big word. Yeah. I think I remember growing up, anyone who didn't want to be part of the, the movement and further the cause of Christ. Right. Quote unquote. Right. Was shunned. Like, oh, I want to be a cop or go be a cop. I'm joining the military. I'm going to this college. I'm going to community college. Right. I remember having friends that went to community college or did something else and right. we were told to break ties with them right? because they weren't in the will of God. Right, exactly. And it was so backward. Even as like a 16, 17-year-old kid, right. it was so backwards to me. Right, I'm okay. Not, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. But you thought that was weird. But something was weird to me. Right. And, and those uh, people actually had really serious balls going and doing that. You know what I mean? To say, yeah, that, hey, they, this is what I want to do. Yeah, they did because... They didn't succumb to all the the peer pressure, I guess I would say. And I wouldn't say they had as much church. pressure to do anything as much as me and my brother did. Yeah, my well, brother Jeff. pastor's kids. Uh-huh. Right. And, you know, Jacob never experienced that, my youngest brother. Yeah. Because by the time that he had become of age, like, that's just something we had totally phased out of. Okay. 
But um, the age of accountability. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Making your own choices like a man. Yeah. Hello. Um, doing what makes you happy. How right. dare you? Yeah. So you'd gotten there and it, you started networking in Chicago. You said. Yeah, I was like, I met this guy or whatever. Um, he worked for like a man friend. A man friend. Yeah. And then um, I used to hang out with him and his boyfriend um, in Chicago. So he wasn't a man friend because he already had a boyfriend. Yeah, but it was just like I would just like go and spend time with them and get to know more. Like it was more like about me, like just getting to know what other people are like that live this way, you know, and me understanding more about myself, too. You know what I mean? But, oh, you know what? You know what's so weird is that they used to send – I some I had ordered like underwear online or whatever from like this magazine, and they started sending me all these like sexy men's underwear magazines to the college, um, <laughs> and then all of a sudden somebody sent, um, and because I was on that that mailing list, um, they started sending me like adult toys like um, magazines and stuff like that to the college, and I, and they would come through the mail. Hmm. And I'd be like freaked the hell out because I was like, who the hell put this in my mailbox? Like the front is like just dudes all over the place running around and nothing. And, and then, and then adult toy magazines and stuff like this. I was like, what the hell? These girls are not looking at anything up in here. This is a Christian Baptist college. You know what I mean? <laughs> I would, I would go in and like look at all the things in the magazine and then I would go in the bathroom stall and tear the magazine into tiny little pieces and flush it down the toilet because I was so embarrassed that somebody would find this thing in the trash or something like that and figure out like oh fuck with your name on yeah with my name on the back end of it you know what I mean I was just like no way that's happening so anyways it was really interesting I wish people who are listening right now if like they would know what what Iowa's Anderson was like because if they knew they would find this so much funny, more funny. Right, because you aren't allowed to touch anybody. You had to six, six inches away. Well, no, from like everybody. dates in college. No matter right. how old you were, if you right. weren't married, you weren't touching. And right. sitting in chapel Period. together. Remember the hymn book rule? Yep. I drew the hymn book in between you and your. Um, That's right. Thou shalt not touch. All kinds of stuff. Not you know. familiar with that commandment, but. Yep. Yeah, so let's rewind here and let's not get on too many tangents. So you you had started experiencing because you met some friends. How did you meet these friends that you were going out to just hang out with and just, I guess, quote unquote, find yourself? That this one um, at at Caribou Coffee, because we didn't exactly have like the internet at this time, so like you just had to go where other people were at. You know what I mean? So that's how I met them. Was that Caribou Coffee drinking coffee and searching? Searching for man friends, right? Man friends, exactly. That's how it worked, you know. And you knew this going into a relationship with who soon became your wife? Well, the weird thing was is that I kept trying to do our relationship like perfectly according to the book, which is like don't touch, don't kiss, don't do anything wrong, don't go outside of the rules for anything with her. But meanwhile, I was like doing everything outside of the rules with everybody else, if that makes any sense. With your friends at Fridays, Saturday nights, as you'd met yeah. at, what was this place called? Caribou Coffee. It's just Caribou a coffee, coffee shop, like Pete's Coffee or Starbucks, you know? Hmm. Yeah. So, and then six months later, we got married in May 13th, and then um, um, I was look, I was selling, like, men's underwear online and stuff like this, because I, I sold okay. a lot of stuff online, and right. she saw it the day after we got married on my computer, 
and somebody I heard from other people or guests that um, she said that I was looking at men's penises or something like that online Um, because I had all these like pictures of these scantily clad people because I was selling this product online you know Um, was it a men's underwear line like like website or was it porn no it was clothing but um, it was scantily clad so you know for her it was I was looking at dicks you know so (laughs) anyways um so that's what happened. Um, but then like a year and a half after we had gotten married and moved to Maryland together, um, I went to a gay bookstore and I was, I was sitting in this gay bookstore, like reading, like looking through books, you know? And all of a sudden this lady came in and she looked like she just walked off a touched by an angel. She's a big old black lady with a white wool, like, super fitted tight dress it was a one piece all the way down and then she had this giant beehive like circular like hat on that covered all of her hair and was like up in his high beehive looking thing and it was all it was all the same material the hat thing and her dress and everything was all what it was it was like bright white and it was super interesting she came in the store and was like Honey, there's people out in the bushes pointing at you across the street. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> and so she was like, get down behind the books and I'll tell you when they're gone. So I was like, okay. So I'm sitting in this store get on the down floor behind the books, behind the books <laughs> for like 15 <laughs> or 20 minutes. And then she was like, hey, get up. They're gone. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So I run out the front door and I look down to the right and there's Dave's looking in black art materials. And I, and I was like, oh crap. And like, I ran out to the left, ran to my car down an alley and, um, and got my car and started driving home. Well, my heart is beating out of my chest. Like Jesus is coming back or something like this, you know? (laughs) And then all of a sudden I get this phone call on my giant Nextel phone, you know, back in the day. Um, yeah, the flip open phones, those big fat ones that didn't flip that had the chirping shit on it. Yeah. I had a razor. So I was with the times. You're so cool. Um, the, uh, so he called me. He was like, I know everything. And I was like. Who's this I again? Like, Karen called me. Okay. Your pastor. Yeah. So um, so anyways, he was like, he's like, I know everything. So I came back and I like told him about everything that ever happened to me in my life that was gay, whatever, you know, before this. Um, so it was like just you confessing to him. Yeah, basically. Like all these yeah. years you've known and you were just being a fake. Right. But the weir- really weird part of it was is that um, – he told me that night that he he said that Ray had called him and told him that I was gay before he, I went to work there. But that kind of boggled my mind because I was like, why would you hire a gay dude, come work at your church, and then fire him for being gay? Because you already knew about it. Cause Either he somebody, was just really stupid or you really just sold your potential in the interview. Yeah, I sold I so know. much potential, exactly. I don't know. But meanwhile, like... Um, just, that's the thing. It just goes back to what we were saying. Right. Step on anybody and do anything we can to grow our ministries. Yeah, exactly. With as musically talented as you were, I, I think he was willing to overlook that. Maybe exactly. if he knew, if he knew, like, he was willing to overlook that. But maybe he thought I'd been healed because of his magical teachings. Hmm. You know? Perhaps, I don't know. That, yeah. But meanwhile, I think that was all just a distraction from the situation because somebody says that she might have been getting banged in the office at 16. So I don't know if that's what exactly was going on or not, but I don't, I wasn't involved in that part of the thing. I was so busy running around trying to not be gay that I was not aware of what was going on 
uh, behind closed doors <laughs> and other and other places around the church. So, so now that you're not busy running around trying not to be gay, yeah, like, what are you doing just now? <laughs> being just being normally average person, like you know, go to work and wake up and do your thing, you know, just be a normal person that happens to be gay, you know. So I surrender to the mission fields, you know. <laughs> So how did you get to Hiles and what brought you there? And then like, what, why did you leave? I mean, my parents came from there. And so the ministry that they built was based off of the teachings. And it was just very, it was very much so like the, uh, FPC first Baptist church. Right. On a much smaller scale, but as yeah. far as teaching and, be- and beliefs went, it was right in line with what they had taught. Right. So I grew up with that. Right. I grew up, you know, Anyone who smokes cigarettes, anyone who drinks beer, any anyone who sins, sins, anyone who sins differently than you, right, is um, you know they need to be shunned, and you need to just not be around them. And right, if you see you around them, you're wrong. Right, and you'll be corrected real fast. Yeah. Um. So even when you grow up in something like that, um, especially when you're very young, yeah, it starts out when you're very young. You're very impressionable. Right. Um, on top of the fact that, man, you want to please your parents. Mm-hmm. Any kid does, you know. Yeah. You love coming home with the coloring that you did, and you show mom and dad, and they're right. so proud. You just want to make them proud. Right. Um, so I, even as a junior high kid, even in the high school, that it stayed with me. You want to make your parents proud. Right. And um, I'd always wanted to be a Marine. Yeah. Always, like, as, as long as I can remember, wanted to be a Marine. Was it those super sexy pictures? They did have, yeah, they did have some pretty bad. They sucked you in, didn't they? The re- those recruiting efforts were pretty. Yeah. You know, but um, they were like, "You could look like this." Do you remember that commercial with the lava monster? I don't know. Do That's what sold monster? me. He, oh, he really? climbs a rock. Yeah. He finds a lava monster at the top. Uh-huh. He just slices its stomach open with a sword. Oh my the god. The NCO sword, which I now know. Yeah, what it yeah. Means. He slices its stomach open, or it does something, and it, the monster just crumbles into pieces. Oh god. That's what made me want to be a Marine. Sounds like something the Kool-Aid man would pull off. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, hey, hey, hey. (laughs) Just break through the wall, you know? (laughs) Yeah. With your giant, like, Kool-Aid sword. But, you know, not only do you want to make your your parents proud. Right. There's just so much. (sighs) And I love my parents. And nothing I I say today is going to be, you know. We're not trying to fix anything. Well, no, I mean. Just trying to say what happened. Yeah, this is what happened. Well, so what happened. I'm not bitter. There's no bitterness. There's no resentfulness because I'm at a point in my life where I've moved on. But this is how it was. It was just very, you're going to be a pastor. And if you're not going to be a pastor, you're going to be a missionary. Right. And if you're not going to be a missionary, you're going to be a song leader or the music director. Or if a not pastor's that, wife. Or you're going to be a youth pastor. Or if not that, then at the very least, you're going to work a job making good money. And you're right. going to be a full-time ministry worker. Whenever right. the church doors are open, you're there. Right. It's just... That's exactly what was drilled into us. That's what was drilled into us. And right. we're still so doing it. <laughs> sort of. I still do in it. Our, in our own ways. Yeah, but know, exactly. That's just, it was just very, very, very convincing that yeah. that's what you needed to do. And, and if you didn't do that, I, did, I remember driving with my dad one day and I had told him, I, we had just got done doing something. And... I asked him, I was like 15, mm-hmm. 14 or 15 years old. I had asked him, I was like, Dad, like, what would you and Mom think if I joined the Marines? Yeah. I asked him something along those lines, and he had just... Broke down crying. We didn't break down crying. <laughs> okay. 
My dad did get emotional during his sermons. Yeah, no. He wasn't that bad. But I remember him just getting quiet. Right. Kind of dancing around, you know. You know, I had a lot of friends at Marines and Yeah. They weren't happy or this and that. Well, how can you be happy when all the silver spoons send you out to war and you're just like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's just kind of tough. It was very, very, and I think my brothers might disagree with me. Definitely Jacob. He's got a very different perspective. On what? Very different experience on growing, growing up as a pastor's kid. Okay. Because by the time he was 12 or 13, the church had, you know, fallen apart. Okay. And then he had just been, from that point, was brought up in the public school system. Okay, so you had a different view on things. Though. He's a very different experience yeah. than me and Jeffrey did. Yeah, totally. Very different experience. Yeah. But I, th- I, th- I think you could ask Jeff, and I, th- I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I think he might agree. Jeff, if you're listening, you better agree with me, you asshole. <laughs> 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 yeah. But I think he would agree that uh, there was a very, very strong urge. It was very heavy to pastor, missionary, youth pastor. Right. And if not, your full-time ministry, working in a church, giving your money to the cause of Christ. Right. Well, you're hearing it all week long, seven days a week, really. Oh, yeah. I mean, that any time the church. Need to do. And that was my life. It was through church school. Right. You know, we were doing the mm-hmm. Christian program. Right. That's how, So, anyways, I'm not going to drag this out. I mean, that's how I ended up at college. Right. Because, you know, it's it's this way. It's my way or the highway. Right. And college is the way to go. You're going to be right. a pastor. And I was there for two and a half years. Right. And I did it for two and a half years. I did it for six. Hallelujah. What? Yeah, for real. God bless your heart. Thank you so much. I need an award. <laughs> <laughs> like most faithfulness award goes we'll, to. We'll write you up an award. John Keister. <laughs> I want one of those Awana awards, you know, like a Sparky's award. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. deserve one for sure. Six yeah. years. Yeah. No, but I was there for two and a half years. And then I remember being in the dining room. Yeah. You know, eating and my friends had left and I'm just like enough is enough yeah and I remember calling my dad and before this I had talked to the recruiters mm-hmm. at the Marines Marine recruiters up right. in Chicago right because if I had talked to any of the local ones I think that they were kind of told hey can you report any Hiles guys that come here because it was very very because they had done that to the alcoholic shops like the wine and spirit shops uh-huh. recruiters offices um, hotels yeah. They were all asked, you know, they're not required right. by law, but they were all asked, if you see anyone here that you identify comes from Hiles Anderson College, right. please call the college, and if you can identify them by name, tell us. Right. I also think that, that, that a lot of people in the local area were a little, like, TO'd about local, the Hiles kids that were there, if that makes sense, because there was so much. It was. They, were they, just, they got so much shit off the Hiles <laughs> Like <laughs> students that they were kind of like, you know, they would just love, it would pleasure them nothing more than to just shit on a Hiles student <laughs> because <laughs> they were just there so, was such a so, presence so obnoxious. Too, because how many students I mean? were there? Well, when I was there, there was it's like 1,200. It was yeah, many, at least. Was well, like, when I was there, 1,500 or so. Yeah. It's, yeah. Everyone was like, just like. But let's, let's rewind here for it. a second. So I'm like in the dining room. And I remember just, I was like, enough is enough. Right. And I, you know, I had seen the recruiter before that and I said, I'm coming clean. You know, I need freedom. Right. And I called my father and I'm like, hey, so and it was a blizzard too. It was uh-huh. like snowing really hard. And I'm like, so, uh, can I tell you something? He's like, yeah. I was like, I'm going to leave college and I'm going to join the Marines. 
Right. <laughs> that went over really well. well. He was more understanding than I thought. You know, my dad's a very down-to-earth person. Right. Even in the time of his, like, the pinnacle of his ministry, he was very, he had learned to be, you know, down-to-earth with people right. and be real. And I guess he had, you know, once time, my son wants to do this. and Right. And he probably said it enough times before that it was kind of understood. I th- he had known. I had the posters. Yeah. He'd come downstairs. I was doing push-ups like a psycho. Yeah. And I would always run. Right. Um, it was just always within me to, to give back. Right. And I said, this is a great way to give back. Right. But it's also, you know, it's not the most effective way that I can give back. Right. And I said, it's just within me to do something yeah. more. And I've always wanted to be a Marine. And it's not a selfish thing to do. I mean, your brother was in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Um, so he would understand. And it's just very, it was just within me to do this. Right. So and did I, you develop some, like, double D pecs on the side, like, while you were doing all these push-ups, mad push-ups? Uh, well, <laughs> I developed the double D pecs by eating cheeseburgers <laughs> when I got out. <laughs> like, when I jumped, when I became a civilian again, I just... There's some people that ease their way, and I dived headfirst yeah. into civilian life, dude. Like, the hello. pizza, yeah, the p- hello civilian life. Right. I'm here. No more, what do they call those bag lunches that they give you that you add water? No to? more MREs. No MREs, more like fucking. Yeah. Oh, excuse my language. Yeah. No more space ice cream. Because when I was there, I was very, very, I was a very fit individual. I yeah. took really good care of myself. You can still do that. Well, where was I going with this? You're talking about your dad. Well, talking you that to you're my a father, and, then and he's like. He lets out this long sigh. He's like, right. <sighs> yeah. He's like, you know, you're going to have to tell your mother. Right. I'm like, okay. Well, you know. What does she have to say about that? Well, I was too afraid to tell her over the phone. And yeah. eventually it just came to the point where I I came home for Christmas break mm-hmm. 10 days early. Yeah. And. That's a little weird. But yeah, she was like, so what's going on? I'm like, yeah. I was sort of asked to leave. Mm-hmm. Because in all honesty, I was kind of asked to leave. I, I wasn't the fit for high house. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told her, you know, I'm joining the Marines, and right. my mom. She didn't talk to me for three days. She didn't talk to you for three days. It was three days where Holy she didn't cow. talk to me. And um, you should have bought her a chocolate piano. A chocolate piano. Yeah. Um, but we went grand piano, and she we sh- we, right we sat away. down for a chocolate chick at Johnny Rockets. Hello. And we um. It was Christmas time about, and yeah. I remember her just finally saying, well, she must have just came to terms with the fact that this is what her son wants to do. Yeah. So she sat me down at Johnny Rockets, and she said, you know. Basically, we're coming out. I felt like I was coming out to be yeah. gay, John. You're coming out. No, you're coming I'm out I'm not going to make fun and downplay anything that you went through. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you came out, you were coming out to be a Marine. And <laughs> it was just as much. Tra- it was much, right, it was just no, as much tragedy in her mind at that time. Well, because, because uh, that's you're, she raised me from the time it. I was five to be a pastor. Right, exactly. Or youth pastor. This guy wants to go be a Marine. He wants to right. go get the tattoos and drink beer and smoke cigarettes. Yeah. Which I haven't smoked a cigarette. Cigarettes I smoked one gross. cigarette. I yeah. smoked one cigarette because right. you you try something, and I didn't like it. I yeah. I've never tried tobacco. Ugh. Anyways, her her son wants to go be this marine, so and good. she her brothers were marines, and they all had tattoos and smoked and drank and, you know, beat their wives and stuff like that. But yeah, not all of them, but some of them. Yeah. Oh well. Don't quote me. <laughs> and I joined the marines, and she uh, just wanted to know what I was doing. Like three days later, she sat me down, giant rocket said. So where are you going? What are you going to be doing? Right. Like, why do you want to do this? And uh, just wanted me to answer some questions. And I had no right. problem doing that. And um, it was a year later. I um, 
shipped off to boot camp. And uh, why yeah. did it take you a year? Did you have to develop some serious I packs? The, I was in the delayed entry program, and okay. I had to lose. Um, I had to lose like forty. 45 pounds holy moly yeah to be that's in the a lot of weight to lose yeah it's like something that not a lot of people know i had to lose 45 pounds to join the Because when i was in high school i was just i loved powerlifting even at hiles right. that gym back there i was powerlifting yeah. power i loved the power lift wow. yeah and i i almost didn't do it the yeah. first time that i was supposed to ship i went to the uh the official building in albany where we were supposed to ship right. i was one pound overweight Shut up. No, they sent me they back. They sent you back? They sent me back for, yep, for one pound. Good guy. Couldn't you take your shoes off or something like that? <laughs> they did have my shoes did off. Did you ask to go pee? I did go pee. Yeah? And I did go poop, too. Yeah? And just, like, take some diet pills and, like, insta-cleanse? <laughs> I wish, dude. I wish. But, right. you know, everything happens for a reason. Right. So I went back, and then I I, I shipped finally the second time. Mm-hmm. I did my four years, and... When did you get married? Did you get married before or after you were in the Marines? Where did you, and where did you meet your wife? At school or where? I got married sh- shortly after the Marines. After the Marines. I had gone through boot camp. Right. I had gone through um, infantry school, the school of infantry. Right. And then I had... um. And that's the, like, come to Jesus moment thing. Like, you're, like, the whole... Like, I feel like Marines go through this process, and they come out the other side. They are Marine, but then they're, like, everything life is so damn short now because we could get shot next week, so I've got to do everything in life. Yes. And the next yes. year. Yes, that's one thing that people don't understand. It's like, we could go to war crash. at any time. Right. And we could be shot. We could run over an IED. Right. Anything. Right. And so there's just all this, there's just this sudden panic. Right. To live life the way you want to. Now. And you're 19. Right. And you're stupid. You're just right. young and dumb. And that's why you end up with, like, a whole Christmas tree tattooed to your chest. Yeah, and that's why, yeah, exactly. That's why Marines young Marines, for three and I say this a lot, like, when you meet a young Marine, like, young Marines that get married, one out of ten Marines who are married and young takes their relationship serious and wants to be with their partner for right. the rest of their lives. Right. The rest are either, I'm with this girl because she cooks good. Right. Or their contract marriages. Yeah, because you make more money, which is Because you make a lot more money. Yeah. And so I, I got married when I was... Did you get mar- married after you were in the Marines for a while? No, not when I was after... The, like, shortly after the completion of boot camp okay. is when I got married. Okay. And... Where did you live when you first got married? When we first got married, we, we got base housing. And that was... Like what area of the country? North Carolina. North Carolina, which is super sexy, right? It depends Honestly. on what part you go to. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen a lot of not so sexy parts of North Carolina. Yeah. And I was with um her for the duration of my um Marine Corps career. Right. And I had gotten out because it was just better if I did. Right. Did you ever have kids? No. Okay. No, I have I have no kids. Okay. Um we were married for uh, shortly after the marriage like that's not right. Right. And so Shortly after, it was very, a month into the marriage, it, there was just, it wasn't right, John. Yeah. And so I found myself in a position where it was just high stress all the time, and it was just, what did I get myself into? Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to juggle this hee-haw factory at home right? while performing as a Marine. Um, did they have you flying out, or you in, did you stay in North Carolina mainly most time? I traveled up and down the eastern seaboard, okay. Georgia, South Carolina, um, North Carolina, Virginia, 
Um, really not to go out of the states much. No, I never deployed. That's unfor- amazing. Unfortunately, You're so lucky. You would say lucky. My mom would say I'm blessed. I, I would say that I was just. It all has to do with unit placement, right. and when you're placed in that unit, unit deployment tempo. Right. And you know, I was placed in a part of the Marine Corps that was very. What did you get placed in? What was your job? I was a small arms technician. Okay. And so basically, I was placed into a position in the Marine Corps that was very political. Uh-huh. There were, without getting into detail, there were people in my ear saying, get out of the Marine Corps. Right. Um, I wanted to experience a different side of the Marine Corps. Right. But uh, you don't, well, one thing I learned is you don't live your life trying to appease others. Mm-hmm. I, I For so long, I had tried to, you know, I made the decision to join the Marine Corps for myself. And I thought I'd learn my lesson. But even after that, I'd, I'd lived my life trying to appease and accommodate everyone else around you. Everyone else around you. That's what you were taught to do. Well, it's what we were, were taught just, to do. You were just repeating what your uh, what your pattern making was. Yeah. You know? And um, I'd gotten out of the Marine Corps. It's Jesus, others, you. Yeah, I think so. But, yeah. you know, so it, it like, took me a while to learn that. Right. Because um, you're supposed to accommodate everybody else around you instead of actually doing what you want to do with the rest with your life here. You know? Well, that's what I was taught. That's not that's, right, though. You but know? that's yeah. Because well, the Jesus quote is is that you're supposed to love others as your as yourself. And if you don't have any concept of what yourself is, then you it's impossible. In my opinion, it's it's impossible for you to love other people if you have no clue how to love your own self. Yeah, we've had many conversations about this. Yes, I remember. Yep. Um, you can't love yourself and you're not happy with who you are right you're of little to no service to the ones around you right and i learned that the hard way yeah um so i got out of the marine corps i mm-hmm. said you know well at least you can do the reserves i did right. that um wasn't happy yeah you know to anyone listening <laughs> don't do the reserves <laughs> do it right yeah. if you want to do the reserves act like to me to me i'm an old soul yeah and i'm very very just old-fashioned in a lot of ways yeah I'm not a big fan of the reserves. Mm-hmm. I think that if you want to do the reserves, I think you should do at least four years active before right. you do that. Right. I think that, like, when I got into the reserves, like, that was just a very, I don't know, I guess you could say it was a darker time of my life. My brother so got assigned to, he went he went to the Marines, he went to boot camp, and they were like, oh, great, you're a Marine now, you're, like, this big, badass guy. Oh, you went to, you went to, like False. camp, you went to camp for three months. To anyone listening who just graduated boot camp, you're just a boot fuck. So oh, shut geez. the fuck up with that shit. Oh yeah, so that's yes, what, that's, the way, that's the way they treat you though when you get out. You they done like shit. You're, yet. They act like you're awesome. Yeah. So they I go mean, around walking like they're like they're the yeah, shit or like something. I can't I, I can't stand that. They'll go to the local areas, my, yeah. local bars, like they're shit. Like you ain't shit. Right. It was my first time. I'm sorry, John. Seeing the American War thing in action and I was just like oh my god <laughs> this is what's keeping us together this glue this is the glue um, that's running this shit um, my brother went and got did all this stuff we saw him graduate and then all of a sudden they were like hey we're assigning you to a backhoe or like a bulldozer like you just had to move dirt for this entire time for four years it's like you learned how to shoot people you learned how to do all this roll around in the dirt and sweat and swim and do all that crap that you guys do yeah. and then and then they're like you're gonna work on a bulldozer congratulations you know it's yeah um, it's one of those things where people think that marines do have a different mindset 
Yeah. I think the average Marine, you know, is a go-getter. They'll be the best in themselves that they can be. Mm-hmm. The truth of the matter mm-hmm. is that a lot of them, it, this, they're not all they're cracked up to be, I guess. Because I say this because I was because in the air wing. Because it's built out of pride. It's a whole I pride I say this thing. because I was in the air wing. And yeah. again, you have to remember, I never experienced the side of the Marine Corps that I think I should have experienced. Right, because you want to Where Marines actually do things that right. they join the Marines to do. Right, but then half of the Marines don't ever get to do those things, you know. That's and it causes problems. And it causes it, problems. It causes problems. I, I promise you it does. Right. Maybe right. not for everybody because right. they get in there, and I've seen it a lot of times where guys just become complete shitbags. And it's either, be, it's either because mommy and daddy told them that they had to because uh-huh. they had no choice, or it's just because it was just a decision. It was a decision other than, you know, Hey, I want to do this and I want to be committed. Yeah. But, but then you're going back to the commitment thing. Like you just got to be committed, committed, committed. Or if somebody's like not all the way in, then if they're well, like a douchebag or something like that, you know, let me just, it's interesting. It's just interesting. Well, so why I say that, because I just seen these kids. I'm just like, I question your commitment. Right. And then I just, one day I'm there and I'm looking at the mirror. I'm like, like, dude, you're here. I question your commitment. Right. Cause maybe you're projecting onto them. Me, you know, we've talked about Ooh, that. Too. Now, listen, fuck. John. I don't think I was projecting on anybody. I don't know. Maybe. I don't think so. I don't think I was. Okay. Maybe you weren't. Maybe I was. Maybe I wasn't. Maybe you were projecting some inner feelings. That, you know. I don't think I was. But I'm I glad was. that you know what projection is. A lot of people don't even understand what. No, projection is a very real thing. And what is it? What does it mean to you? We've Pro- talked about this bunch. Like, well, we talked about this many times. Projection right. is. Honestly, the honesty is the best policy. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not fake, you know. What you no see, said you were. what you oh no, I know so that those calves aren't fake. I can see them. Right there. <laughs> what you oh see is God. what you get with me. Okay, so I some, I've just had some shorts on. There's there's been times <laughs> in my relationship currently that I'm in, right, where I projected feelings onto my girlfriend, right, that cause problems yeah it causes serious problems and i promise you it's a real problem right it really we is i'll do it and i'll be honest like i had we've been friends for a long time now uh-huh. and we've just remained in uh-huh. contact somehow and so i just we were talking about it one day and you had mentioned you're projecting those feelings onto her right and i had never thought of it that way right and i was like man that makes like so much sense doesn't it it makes so much sense. And time and time again, as we've had problems, like, you know, no relationship is perfect. Yep. Me and my girlfriend argue about stuff, right. and she'll get pissed off at me at stupid shit. Right. I mean, it's not stupid. It's just me projecting feelings into her that... Most of our feelings... Pro- are pro- right, go ahead. Projection of feelings, it's a very real thing. Our feelings of inadequacy on other people that we feel like they're doing things to us, most of the time is just because they're they're revealing... <laughs> weakness or lack of self wholeness in ourselves. So I get upset at Jeremiah because I feel like he didn't do something for me. Like I got upset at you one time. Um, what was it in, um, when we were down in Nashville or something like that, that whole situation with going to Memphis and stuff like this. Remember that? But like the, his, his Jeremiah's behavior revealed some weakness in me and I got upset about it. Um, I should have come from a place of wholeness and not be concerned about what Jeremiah's actions are yeah, yeah, in a, a my place life. Of wholeness you know what I mean? See, that's another thing you'd mentioned to me is, you know, oh, she said this to you, and I said, yeah, that's really fucked up, isn't it? You're like, 
Hmm. Well, it sounds like your values in question. Right. And I said, no, <laughs> it's, it's not. Yeah. I'm like, because I know who I am. I know what I'm capable of. I'm very confident in myself. I guess that's where we disagree is I'm very confident in myself and I know my self-worth. Right. But when you're in a relationship with somebody, you want that person to identify you as being, oh, she's like the greatest thing since sliced bread. If I'm going to be, right. I love him and blah, blah, blah. And but, but love doesn't come at it that way, though. Love comes at it at your relationship sure um, it does but you don't want to be in a relationship with someone who is not in the same place as you you are i feel you right so that's not to say she's listening not to say that i feel like she's in a different place i'm just saying that's what we had talked about right and i really don't think that you know my values in question if i do think that if someone thinks that their girlfriend or their boyfriend doesn't value them I don't think that their value is in question for themselves. But the thing is, my question is to you, why do they feel I just feel think that they've got a girlfriend or a boyfriend that they feel isn't really into their relationship, maybe not isn't isn't feeling it, right. and needs to move on. So you do that every chance that you feel like you're having a negative day? Every chance I get to tell her that she's beautiful, I do. Okay. But what I'm but saying, go back to the thing that you said that you're <laughs> upset about. Um, because she said something to you, or, or if she, or if you have a day that she's, you feel like your values in question. You're talk. I feel like you're, you're just, you're going to the end and not. You're going to the overall perspective, maybe, about whether or not your girlfriend or boyfriend likes you. But if you have an experience on one thing that says like, hey, you know, my girlfriend or boyfriend did something that I feel upset about. A lot of the times, it's because we are feeling like our value is in question. And that's why we have those feelings. But I don't disagree with that. I right. mean, that's that's true. I think that in my case, it's just always been just a lack of communication and lack of mis. It's just a lot of misunderstanding. I think that what more, more people. Let me just say something. This is just my opinion again. More right. people need to read Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages. I agree. I'm reading it right now. Actually, are you really? Literally. Because a lot of people expect to be loved one way, right? And they're not. They're right. they're and they think that they're being rejected and they think that those person doesn't care about me. But right. if they really looked at the different perspective and saw things from the view, after they read the book, they'd know, oh, this is the way this person loves. And yes, right. they are spending all this energy. They are giving full effort into making me or trying to make me feel loved. Exactly. So um, just, did you um, did you just recently read that? Did I recommend that to you? Did you ever read that a long time you, ago? No, I read that book a very long time ago. Okay. Because what I was gonna say something to you for just a second though I yeah. feel like the um, because you're coming from a marine a marine um, perspective oh, in Jesus. a way yes um, I feel like there's a little bit of a lack of vulnerability built into you um, not you personally but just into your system it's funny that you say that because a lot of times when I tell things to my girlfriend uh-huh. like not too long ago I told her that she was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me right that was really hard for me to say yeah. Although I meant it, right? I it was just very hard for me to say because I'm like I'm about to be very vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. And the very first time that I told her, because she legit is my best friend, I had said, "Right, you're my best friend." That was very vulnerable. It was very scary. Yeah. It was just to me. It was like, man, I'm, I feel so vulnerable right now. I feel like, you know, I've opened up my shirt out there. Yeah, yeah. You, you put yourself way out there. Yeah. And you're opening up your shirt. Tell me more about this. <laughs> no, like you know, and you just stretch out your arms, like stab me right in the stomach. Yeah, because that's what you know. That's what it feels like when right. you've been hurt before. That's right. what it feels like. Right, you're re-exposing yourself to another punch in the gut. Right, and um, 
So you're saying about the five love languages, about how so people the five receive so for, for their people, love and their, you know, we, I was literally in a conversation this week about talking about really, that last week. Really, they expect yeah. to be loved one way. Yeah. But they're not being loved in the way that they want. Right. Um, because you have so to that give causes to people problems. the way that they that they receive love, not the way that you receive love. You have to so speak many, their language. Yeah. So many times we give other people love in the way that we expect and we we receive right. love. And I I I try my best to shower her with notes. Uh huh. Um, but what is her love language? Have you found that out yet? That's my love language, and that's the problem. You like notes? Oh, I love. I'm gonna notes. write you some damn notes. Huh? Write me a note, John. Right. Hmm. Before I leave here tomorrow, I'll my give dear my Justin note. <laughs> Dear J Lo, mm. you really fire me up when you run around in shorts. <laughs> you need some demerits. <laughs> Fifty demerits would be exact. Fifty demerits, exactly. And, we're, and then we're gonna be like, Justin, I just don't know if you're a good fit. I don't know if you're a good fit. That probably brings back terrible memories for you. Mm, it, um, nobody ever wants to be put in a position where you don't belong. Yeah, because that causes problems. Of course, of course. Um, it weighs on someone. But when so I your range. so your love language is words of affirmation. Then, I if it's if you're like liking notes. Yeah, words of affirmation is a big one. Okay, and um, probably gifts, and if that's something gifts, in there a little bit, and uh, physical touch. Physical touch. Yep. I think are my love language, and so okay. that's what I. That's what I. You that's how I. On, yeah. Yeah, that's how I. You so know. quality time doesn't mean a ton to you. Like you don't need me to just that's sit there that and I overlooked. talk to you. That's something that I overlooked for a long time right. because we had we were spending a lot of time together, and I got on her about something one day, and mm-hmm. and I'm driving home and I just got to thinking like that girl spends a lot of fucking time with you, with you, yeah, with me, yeah, and I'm just like you know, that's a lot of time. Yeah, it was well, just like, that's man, her that's, that's her, langu- her love language is quality time. Is I it? figured out that one of her love language, yeah, is quality time. Okay, she just spent a lot of time with me. Right. Um, I mean, let's rewind here just a little bit. I mean, this is all great material, but when I'd gotten, I got out of the Marine Corps, went into the reserves, and something that, you know, not a lot of people know is that I went through a very, very dark time. Um, and what does the dark time look like? very dark time looks like an empty apartment mm-hmm. with just yourself yeah um empty beer bottles mm-hmm. which you know alcohol was never really an issue for me yeah because as soon as i needed to quit it i could easily because you were broke or what I'm not because i was broke <laughs> <laughs> you're like i can't afford this shit no more no it's just i mean everyone you know they look at the osborne family and they think you know there's some that might think not perfection, but you know what a great family we were. And yeah. You're talking about your family, not the, not the Ozzy Osbourne family. No, yeah, okay. my family. Because the Osbournes Osborne. from from right. Ghent, New York, right. Chatham, okay. New York. Right. I, I'm they thought, oh, that's what a happy family should be like. And right. you know, we all had our different problems. Right. And I, I to this day, I really don't know exactly how Jeff and Jake may or may not have struggled. Uh huh. But there was a time where, <clears throat> living by myself, I was suicidal. Okay. And I just had, um, so this is one of those times where I feel very vulnerable right now. That's okay. Very. Just, it's just real though, you know? Yeah. It's, it's what no happened. Other, there's no other way to be except for real. Right. And when I was 18 years old, the day I turned 18, uh-huh. on my birthday, I drove my truck through a blizzard 30 minutes 
which uh-huh. should have taken like 12 minutes, to Vivas and Sons down in Philmont, New York. Uh-huh. And I bought myself a riot shotgun, which is just a sawed-off shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> just to have, because I thought it was cool. Right. I didn't know that years later I would load it and, you know, put it in my mouth. Shut up. No, I mean, I'm being very serious right no, now. It was, it was short enough to that where I could put it in my mouth. And right. I, I reached down into the trigger well. Right. And I put my thumb on the trigger. Yeah. And I had just made sure that it was going to work. I had contemplated it. Right. And, um... You know, I would cry. Right. And I would just be very, very... Just, I would sob. Like, yeah. I never sobbed before. Uh-huh. And, uh... Pacing. Right. Pacing back and forth in my apartment. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Very scary time that, um... Not a lot of people know that I went through. Yeah. And I don't say that to... I'm not trying right now to paint a picture for anyone to feel bad for me. No. We just, we're just saying what happened. I'm saying what happened. Right. And, in, and in the end, I think you'd, you'd see that maybe you can take something away from my story that would help you yeah. in your future or maybe something you're currently going through. Right. Um, I put the shotgun in my mouth and it was very scary. One of the yeah. scariest moments of my life when right. I came moments away from taking my own life. Right. Um, I'm holding back a lot of emotions right now talking about it. That's all right. Let it out. A Marine, John. I don't let those things out. I know. (laughs) (laughs) There's only so much you get to the sieve, right? Yeah. And you dive head first to eating pizza and soda. But. So what brought you to that place? I mean, what was, what was like, what was encapsulated? What brought me to that place was I had one, uh, there's two big things. Uh Uh-huh. Two big major factors was my divorce. Okay. And that comes from my childhood. And this came after your divorce? This came this after is, my this divorce. Is when you felt like this. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. when I felt like this. The apartment was dry. I was just alone. Right. Me by myself. It was the same apartment that you lived in with your former ex-wife? Yes. So you stayed in the same apartment? The so lease The lease wasn't up for like almost another year. Oh, I stayed there for almost another year. Damn. After, you know. So do you think being in that place was tough? Do you think that helped contribute toward the um, negative feelings that you were having by staying in the same place? Well, when I had, no, when okay. I had gone through my divorce, and I don't mean this in a mean way or a cocky, like, <laughs> just say how you feel. It's fine. It was just, it was just, a, I was brought to a place of happiness. Okay. You were happy about this new situation that was the happening. The new situation that was coming out because so being in the, pl- in the, the marriage place. wasn't right itself in, to right. begin with. And right. I had felt an obligation, as weird as this sounds, mm-hmm. it wasn't right. We had made it last for almost five years. Right. It was... Because that's what we were taught is the total line. It was just a... Yeah. It was right. just about five years. I owed it to her and I owed it to myself. Right. To put us both in positions where we were going to be able to find our own happiness. Right. And find something real. Right. And quit faking it. Right. As bad as that sounds, mm-hmm. that's just... That's as real as it is. That's just the truth. Yeah. Um... So the marriage wasn't right to begin with. Right. I admitted it, it takes two. Right. But I still feel that you took a lot of responsibility on yourself. Yeah, I I did I take take on the responsibility and right. I just felt totally this is my problem. Let right. me fix it. And right. that was how I fixed it and was getting a divorce. Is getting and now come to find out, you know, she's engaged now. Okay, good for her. On her way to happy. Yeah, good for her. Yeah. And I don't hold any resentment. There's exactly. no bitterness. Right. I know if there was, I'd be worried. My ex-wife got um, married. Like it's not last my business. Or something like that. It's fine. Really, it's, I'm nice. happy for well, her. Well, you know, it's none of my business. I'm right. not going to be there like cheering you on. Like we've moved on. Right. 
Um, I'm currently with someone I'm very happy with. Yeah. But, you know, good for her. Right. There's no bitterness. There's no resentfulness. There's just cool. good for you. Yeah, exactly. And So what are the other things that brought you to this place of the so, darkness? Okay, so it was though, my divorce. You know I mean? Your divorce and, so and my divorce, And the reason my divorce made me feel that way, I think, uh-huh. is because, yeah, the way we were raised. Right. And the... Uh, what were the teachings IDF, that brought you to that place? The teachings that brought me to that, that place. That were negative, that, that, that you've changed now, that you see were wrong thought patterns. I no longer sweat the small shit. Okay. So the teachings were... You just don't divorce. Right, you're you don't. to be together forever. It doesn't matter how bad the person beats you. It doesn't right. matter how many times they've called the cops on you. It doesn't right. matter if you were... A psychotic freak. A psychotic freak or on drugs. Right. Or an alcoholic. Or if you had married, in my case, married someone very young who you didn't know. It is what it is. You know, we're very young. It's just we knew each other for a matter of months. You got married after a couple of months? Yes. Holy moly. Yes. Um, as stupid as that sounds. Um, it sounds stupid. It's just what people do. Sometimes. It's what young... Marines, and do. Marines <laughs> do because they're wacko Big, in the head when well, they get out. You know, at boot camp. Yolo, they baby. Fucking fabulous. We're, we're with Afghanistan. That's okay. Or the that's Taliban just how it is. It's what it is, and if that's what it takes for us or for our country to be free, is to have a couple of people that are messed up in the head a bit. Then fine. That's so so be it. You know, that's the I way you want them, Jonathan. I don't appreciate that's the way it, you want but I'm just saying that's the way. If you're gonna, if you're gonna have somebody run into a fucking firestorm of shit, then they need to be prepared to run into through a firestorm of shit. You know. And that's just how it is. And they will. You want the troublemakers. Right. Um, never been to war. Right. But, but when I do go. Um, you are prepared. I'm prepared. I want right. the troublemakers. I want what the was other things besides so the other thing that were, um, that were contributing to this factor? Another contributing factor that brought me to that point in my life was the fact that I had compromised. Compromised what? I feel like I had compromised. I had gotten out of the Marines. When I had gotten into the Marines, I was oh. a very... As a very young Marine, I was very motivated. Were you trying to be a lifer? Yes. You were trying to do the 20-year deal? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was training for, and I was bound determined to do um, special forces. Right. Um, So I started training. Mm -hmm. My diet, my training plan was in line with those goals. Right. And I decided that at a very young Marine, I would do that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you got to finish your first term first because you got to be an NCO, um, all this other stuff, yada yada yada. Right. Marines who are listening, who may be listening, mm-hmm. will know. Um, There'll be millions of people listening. <laughs> but, um, they uh, so you train. I was like three and a half years. Of right. Just every day it was a grind. Every day it was you're working these long hours, but you still go to the pool. Right. You, you drown proof. You swim. Mm-hmm. You you swim till you can't breathe. You run till you can't breathe. You do the push ups. You do everything, and you train because when you, I didn't have a plan B. Right. I was going to do that, and that was it. Right. And so when you, you train, three. I was so young, so you you train for three years for something. Right. You throw yourself totally. You commit yourself. Right. Well, I didn't commit myself because I'd be there if I committed myself, right? Uh-huh. So I just I trained so hard for this moment and for that opportunity right. for three years. Right. And the last three years of my life had just been a waste because I let people talk me out of getting out of the Marines. Right. And compromising into doing something else. Right. That. So you feel that compromised you in a way. 
Well, that can easily make someone feel like a failure. Yeah. That they compromised. But the thing is, like, and I think that let's call it for what it is. Yeah. I, I did compromise. Okay. But sometimes you get into things and you're like, I don't like doing this. You know what I mean? No, I loved it. But I loved you, every bit of it. But did you at some point say like, Hey, I want to do something else or try something else? Never. I mean, you, but Never. you still would. Well, why did you leave the Marines then? You said you left the Marines, not that they. Not that they. That's fired, the thing, that John. It's nobody's you. fault. Right. It doesn't matter who is in my left ear or who is in my right ear saying whatever. Right. I it, it's I made the decision. Right. At the yeah. end of the day, I'm the one who took action right. and left the Marines. Okay. So, so, so but you felt bad about it. And way. I felt like because you know I had such a close. I still have a close relationship with God. At the right. very beginning beginning of my Marine Corps career, I just the relationship was there, and I felt that you know okay so I've. Weird. The way I was raised, right. I've been given a very distorted view of who Jesus Christ was. Okay. But I still want a relationship with him. Okay. Did you feel like you weren't having a relationship at this point? I feel like my relationship was very dark. Dark with Jesus? With Jesus. And why was it dark? Again, I, I guess this goes back to... Because of the situation with the Marines? With the situation with the Marines? With yeah. the situation with my ex-wife? And I think also a contributing factor is me... Not understanding love languages. Okay. I mean... And love languages for yourself and love languages for other people. Correct. Right. Um. So all that, I think, to me, maybe I'm a weak individual. You're not weak at all. All you're that is just... anybody else. Well, I didn't say anybody said. I just maybe. Mm-hmm. And so that brought me to the point where I thought it would be better. Like I was just asking people for money. And That's like, hard. Huh? That's hard for a lot of people. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done in my whole life. Right, and because it takes humility to do it. And you don't have humility, especially when you're a fucking Marine. You're not taught humility whatsoever. It's not, it doesn't exist. You're taught to come to a problem and get the fuck over it no matter what. Right. So and like I, the absence of humility almost. I couldn't. Right. And, uh, yeah, dude. I put so the that's, shot. That, sh- that all... That shitstorm is all affecting everything going on inside, right? Yeah. And so that, I mean, call me weak-minded, call me mentally weak or whatever. It's just that's where I was mentally was very But maybe low. that's... And I just felt like that's just it would be better. That's just the training you felt you received, you know what I mean? Mm-mm. You don't think the Marines training of, like, you're big, bad, and fucking awesome had nothing to do with that. Had nothing to do with the fact that you felt. Oh, okay. Yeah, I misunderstood like you. you. Absolutely, did. you did. You know, what absolutely, I'm saying? you did. Because yeah. you're you're supposed to come to a problem, and figure it out. Right. You know, and I couldn't. Right. I didn't have an answer. And, and I, also, I want to know who taught you this, th- this this idea that you had to do be in the Marines, or else if you left the Marines, that somehow you are like less than, because. Well, that was me, John. Because you did that to yourself. Well, no, I mean. Or where did that come from? Did that come from like? The boot camp or was it before you even went in the Marines it, like, it came from when you're married John it's not just you've, you've been married before you yeah. know it's not about you mm-hmm. it's about you and the person that you're with your de- your decisions don't just affect yourself they affect right. you right um, and the ones around you right even when you're not married they'll affect the ones around you right um were you even taught to go to counseling did you ever go to counseling when you were like a professional counselor not Mom and dad or pastor. Well, I, I, I had sought out some help. Okay. And I was, oh, man. 
Because your a lot of our insurances nowadays cover counseling. Yeah, they do. I mean, like but go, I just mean, just call your insurance company and ask to go to counseling, and let, most of them will cover your family counseling. Just, it could be just family counseling. You don't have to go yeah. for like psychotic stuff, you know. Well, I mean, without getting into detail, like I did seek out some sort of help. Okay, that's but, good. I mean, way to go. It it didn't take. It was like a seven day. Or like 14 day, I forget, type deal. I was like a rehab program kind of thing or something like that. It only took me two days of being there uh-huh. to realize that this is crazy. Right. And I now realize what kind of place I'm in. Right. And I now realize what I need to do to fix it. Right. Um, if you can understand that the thoughts that you're having are irrational and that they're happening because of certain outside circumstances, it makes it way easier to deal with. You know what I mean? If you can or maybe, identify like, the it, fact you can that, do that. And the right. way you do that is... Maybe if you see someone who's like a sixty year old male uh-huh. like walking around with a doll, uh-huh, sorry, then maybe you can kind of come to you know right. get the perspective just after seeing that right, and uh Did you see oh, you saw this when you were in the home that you were in or wherever, yeah, okay. So you're like, this is fucked up. And it that's all it took, dude. Yeah. You're like, you've got it. Okay. That's all it took. Right. And um, this complete vulnerability. Like, I, just, I feel so vulnerable right now. Right. But this is my story. Yeah. That's what happened. And I uh, just fucking, I just felt like such a failure, dude. Right. And I know, you know, we, we make fun of the, the whole independent fundamental Baptist movement and yeah. how crazy they were with their beliefs and teachings. And yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. There's no way around it. It's crazy. If yeah. you look truly believe and just look into what they believe right. or go to just a church service, it's, yeah. it's a little out there, yeah. but I could never shake the fact that, you know, there was a God. Yeah, of course. Um, that he wanted me to do good. Right. You know? And so I just sought out to see, like I said, y- you and me were both given a very distorted view of who Jesus was. Right. I sought out to, you know, to find out who the real Jesus was. Right. And what did you find? I'm not sure I found him yet. Yeah. So far, right. what I know is understanding. Right. Forgiveness. Yeah. Forgiveness is the big thing. So did you forgive yourself and other people around you? Yeah, I did. Okay. It came, I mean, it took a long time for me to realize that I needed to forgive myself for putting a shotgun in my throat. Right. That's not behavior becoming of anyone who wants to be successful. Understanding, but... That's what happened. So I forgave myself. Right. I forgave the ones around me. What are the words that you used to forgive yourself? Okay, just real straightforward. Yeah. I said, what you did was really dicked up. Uh-huh. I mean, you were in a really dark place. Mm-hmm. And I just said, Not, you know, you're better than that. Okay. I mean... You've got a lot of potential. I don't right. mean that in a cocky way. No. And and just, you know, the most confident of ways, I guess, you've got a lot of potential. You have a lot to offer people. Right. You talk um, to yourself as though, as talk. To, we have to talk to ourselves like we are worthy. And so many times we don't talk to ourselves that way. We have to talk to ourselves as like, this. you're the only person that God's given you to take care of on this whole freaking earth. Oh, well, that's just so true, dude. You know what I mean? Yes. And we act like this, like <laughs> I am some other person, but like you or you were given this body and this person to take care of, and the spirit inside of you is jobs to take care of this body and this person, 
unless you learn to take care of this body and this person, it is impossible for you, in my opinion, to take care of other people properly and adequately if you can't take care of the body and the person that God gave you to take care of. You know what I mean? And Yeah. That's the... But we weren't taught that, and we were so busy doing things for everybody else that we never stopped and paused and said, hey, we need to take care of what's going on here so therefore we can take care of other people, you know? I know that now. Yeah. But when you're, before you're in, before you understand that, it's a really dark time that you have to go through in order to be able to get to that point. Yeah, darker than I wanted it to be. Oh, of course. I believe it's always okay. What's okay? Your situation, what you're going through, yeah. what you're feeling, mm-hmm. it's okay. Right. No matter what's happening, it's bettering you. Mm-hmm. It's just turning you into who you're supposed to be. Exactly. And I said, it's just always okay. Yeah. My exactly. girlfriend doesn't get that. And I said that to a couple of people. It's like, it's okay. You know, because it's always okay. Right. And they get pissed off. Like, right. it's not okay. Like, <laughs> it's okay. Right. Because every, if we if we go through life and understand that, like, all of our experiences are meant to be either learning experiences or joy experiences you know it's it's no matter what hap- what happens whether it goes great or if it goes terrible you'll you're going to learn from it and take that to your next experience you know and understanding that so yeah yep and you're finding your way we're all finding our way yeah you know i just things change and the markets go up and the markets go down and you know the world spins and presents us you know hardships trials and th- different ways and stuff and we just have to learn how to you know go through it and walk through the next door and take the things that we know and make the best decision we can with the next thing yeah, absolutely and yeah. not to get all jesus-y on people go for it but i mean i'm okay with that when i had found out that you know i wanted to have a relationship with jesus uh-huh. and find out who he was for myself right I, I just had an idea like i don't think you really are who people said you were in the beginning uh-huh. so let me try to find you out for myself and right. i turned myself over to god uh-huh. and um and what does that mean what it means to me is I had come to my wit's end. I was just like, I had a good job. Right. But like I said, it was just by myself. Right. I mean, for fuck's sake, I put a shotgun in my throat. Yeah. And I just said, you know, <laughs> you're not doing it on your own, dude. So, right. you know, and there's people here that don't understand what you're going through. So maybe uh, you've always believed in God. I've always believed in God. No matter how shitty a time was, I've always believed there was a God. Mm-hmm. There's some inside me that can't shake it. And so I gave my life to him. Right. And I just totally turned everything over to him. Right. And I said, you know, I'm going to do the best I can because I know that in the Bible it says you hate laziness. Mm-hmm. You're not a fan of it. I mean, so here I am. Here's my life. Right. I'm going to do the best that I can. And that's when even more shit started to fall apart. Right. <laughs> but, you know, it's just one of those things where... Yeah. It's got to get worse before it gets better. Sometimes and um, one of the prayers I had prayed to him was, make me someone who can witness to people and be a testimony to people that uh-huh. if they're going through something, they can look and say, oh, no, Justin went through it. He's a dumb fuck. <laughs> if he made it, you know, <laughs> if he made it, then right. surely, just surely I can. Right. Well, know that you are loved, you know, and, uh, you know. Oh, I am. I am. That you're worthy as you are and that you're whole as you are, you know? And if we come to the playing field of life as that and understanding that we're whole as we are, it changes the ball game for for everybody around us, you know? 
changes the ball game for us and for everybody else. Yeah, it does. This goes back to what we said earlier. Right. I mean, if you discontent with yourself and you don't love yourself, you're unhappy with yourself. You you have no service to anyone else. Right. So. So, well, let's wrap this podcast up. And uh, mm-hmm. what do you say? Like, is there anything a, a final thought that you want to give to us? A final thought? Yeah. Like, wow, holy cow. Oh, my God. Sounds amazing. No, I mean. (laughs) What about relationships? What about relationships? Tell me about your relationships. About my relationships? That's a whole other, like, skill set right there. Is it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to talk about relationships for a minute? (laughs) For a minute? For a minute. It's going to take more than a minute. We should wrap this up. Well, I'm just saying, like, like, like we've talked about, like I was just saying, like, if you'll come to, if you're, if you're trying to love on somebody or something, you have to come to give to the situation. If you're coming to get anything from it, you are not loving. It is, is a ward reward system. It is not going to function if you are trying to get something from somebody else, period. So Done. the real reward comes with. What's that? So the real reward comes with. Just giving fully and just freely. Just giving fully and freely, period. Love. Because you have an abundance of whatever it is. Like when I don't have enough money and I give a dollar to somebody and they don't spend it wisely like I think they should, then all of a sudden I flip the fuck out because I don't have enough money right now and I'm not worried. I'm worried about what they're doing with the money because I would I have value attached to that money. If I don't have value attached to the money or the person or the thing or the action, then I don't care. You know what I mean? Because I have an abundance. And when you come to the world with abundance, then you don't attach things to every single person, place, and thing that happens in your world. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So that's one big thing about relationships is to understand that, that your acts of love need to be acts of love. And if you're going to do an act of reward, then the other person needs to be aware of that you know because you need to let the other person know that they're you're, they're in a reward awards like system you know so that's my thoughts on relationships my thoughts on relationships that just goes back to I still think that your self worth isn't that question if you think that someone who's in a you're in a relationship with mm-hmm. isn't truly on board right if you think that they're not on board, I don't think that has anything to do with your self-worth. I think it just has a lot to do with maybe they're not really into the relationship. Maybe they're not. Well, that's, that's, I mean, you can read that, but then at the same point, like also what point are you projecting onto the other person that they're not on board because you're not on board? I think there needs to be a balance in asking. This is the whole thing I've just been, I've been contemplating this whole last couple of weeks is understanding like I've been, I've been watching a lot of videos on narcissism and codependency and, um, how do narcissism and codependency huh? tie in together? Cause narcissists pick on codependence and codependence depend on narcissisms. Really? They're both in the same boat and both have the same problems. They're just reacting to it two different ways. So Continue. my thing is, is that narcissists and codependents come together and respond together because they're attracted to each other. Cause the narcissist, comes with the super ego false self and the codependent comes with the false self of I'm giving, giving, giving to the narcissist and they keep giving and they feel like they need to separate and shouldn't talk to each other for the rest of their lives and stuff like this, you know? But the thing is like in relationships, we have to acknowledge the fact that we have narcissistic traits and codependent traits inside of all of us. And so 
when people are saying oh, I'm directly a codependent or are they saying this other person is a narcissist to say that they're totally a narcissist is like kind of illogical in my mind because everybody has narcissistic traits. We all do things out of our own fruition, hurt other people. Um, so going back to what you were just saying, I feel like you're saying like that, um, that people, um, don't, when they have issues with each other, maybe they're just identifying the fact that somebody else is having a problem. And I was asking about projection. I think you need to have a balance of 50, 50 almost and saying that like, Hey, I have these traits and also there's a possibility that I'm projecting out of the situation as well. So read what the other person is doing totally saying, Hey, this is what's going on, but also understand like, what are you projecting in the situation? And it's about a 50, 50 split most times about what your projection is about how you would react to a situation and also taking how the other person is reacting to the situation. Does that make sense? I can't say that it does. Okay, that's fine. Honestly. But that's just because I'm... It's getting late. Maybe I'm... Oh, well, it might be getting late, but I'm also yeah. setting my ways on some things. That's right. Well, it's okay. Be that way. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Not a problem. But we want to thank everyone out there for joining us on our podcast. Today's program was brought to us by Intel. And what? Who who's sponsoring you today? Nobody. Nobody? Not no. AT&T or anything? AT&T for AT &T, sure. AT&T, okay. Anyone else? No. Um, Ruby Tuesdays? <laughs> no. Yeah, okay. So, and, and brought to us by Lego. Lego Classics. Get the classics with Lego. 900 pieces. 900 pieces, yo. Oh. IDs. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Um, and I uh, hope to talk to you all soon. And uh, God bless. And I'm signing off. All right. See ya. Peace.